Hey, this is It's All Downhill, and I'm Christy Brandon. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Bugden. She's a stand-up in LA. She used to produce all kinds of shows and mics around town. Now she's moved that to online since we've been in quarantine. You should definitely check her out for updates on when you can watch her comedy at the Sarah Bugden on Instagram, which you can find a link to in the show notes. Enjoy. Um. Well, what are you What are you working on now? Like, I I saw that you had like a Zoom show that you were doing, or that you're you're always like producing shows. I feel like that's kind of like your wheelhouse from from yeah. what I know of you it kind of is a little bit but it's not necessarily that necessarily that I'm good at producing it's more that like earlier in life I was lucky enough to figure out what kind of a person I am and I'm the person who's really good at doing like if I want to learn how to do something I just need to do it a lot on a consistent basis and um I absolutely cannot rely on other people to validate me. I have to decide who I am because like I'm a weird person. And if I allow other people to tell me who I am, they're going to tell me something that's negative and wrong. They're not going to get it. And so I have to be in control of that. And I have to create opportunities for myself and then go and be very procedural about it. People who are like more talented than I am, they don't have to be doing as much stage time or they don't have to be doing as much work. Um, and it's not just in comedy, it's in everything that I do. Oops, my alarm's going off here. It's like at my day job, um, I really love my job right now. I'm working in sales and like there's some people on the team that are just like so talented at the sales process and about being a salesperson that they don't have to do a hundred reps. You know, like I, I, like for example, I'm cold calling. And when I was very new to the team, I had a couple days where I made 300 dials or 300 calls in a day, whereas other members of the team that are, were promoted just like I was promoted, kind of were on the same level, they would make 60 calls in a day. So I'm just one of those people that I just have to do a lot of volume of work to figure out like how to do the skill, but I don't have any problem with working hard. Like that's never been an issue for me. I've never had a problem with scheduling things out. Um, but I had to learn very quickly, like when I was in my twenties, that if I rely on other people to think that I'm skilled and talented and funny or whatever it is, then they're never going to do it. So I have to like do it for myself. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So thank you. So yeah, I am doing a couple online shows or nothing fabulous, you know, but I just want to have, I want to have at least three going because if I have three with different kinds of partners, it's an opportunity to like test things out and see what works and see what works across the board versus what is just like, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to run tests and see different things. And also like just a little bit more opportunity to force myself to write because some people are disciplined and they will write no matter what I am not. And I'm the person that if I don't have a performance, I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm like that too, where I just have to have something to work towards yeah. Otherwise, I just don't do it. It's nice, though, because I think that some people, I don't know, are you the kind of person who's, like, afraid to fail publicly? Or are you the kind of person who's like, you know what, if I embarrass myself, then I just won't do that mistake again. And then, like, I'll have it taken care of. Um, I've become that kind of person. I wasn't always that kind of person. But I used to, I, when I was a kid, I had, like, zero shame at all. Like, I 
some things that I think of when I was a kid that I did, I just can't even imagine myself doing that now. And so like I went through that and then I was like very shy about stuff and like very afraid to fail. And now I'm kind of bringing that back where it's like, I'll just try it. If it's bad, it's bad. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but that's it. It's hard to like get used to that for sure. Yeah, what do you think your approach is to comedy? Are you um, like... Do you mind having people pick you or like, how are you working towards, you know, what is the best path for you? Mm, I think for me, I am not great at like arranging things to like produce shows. And I don't necessarily like that you have to have like a commitment to that kind of thing. But I, I'm definitely one of those people where it's like, well, I should like, create things for myself though like I'm getting to the point I was getting to the point before quarantine where I was like all right I'm in a new city I'm comfortable I think I kind of figured it out now now I'm ready to start asking to be on stuff cool but so I'm not I'm not an organizer but I try to be proactive at least that's cool yeah I like and it's a, it is kind of a special moment when you're like all right I don't I don't feel bad like asking people to put me on you know, because it takes a minute to get there. Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm still actually pretty new at stand up. I would say, like, if quarantine time counts, which I kind of doesn't. doesn't doesn't really. But um, I would say like maybe two years in. Oh my gosh, you're yeah. so new. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm kind of reaching that balance of like being able to be confident enough in yourself to be proactive and be like, no, nah, I'm worth it. Like, you can have me on your show. It's yeah and like working up to having that like body of work where it's like I have a video I can show you and that kind of stuff so uh, what what was your first joke that you still tell now first joke Mm. like good enough that it's kind of survived the test of time there's one that I (laughs) there's one that I told and then I stopped telling and then I brought back that I kind of like and it's fine it's just fine it's like Basically, the premise is that Winnie the Pooh is actually shitty, a shitty friend, because of the quote, if you live to be 100, I hope I live to be 100 minus one day, because it's basically saying, like, I hope you have to experience the death of your closest and oldest friend. <laughs> That's a really good premise. I That's love- it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I told it for a little while, and then I kind of set it aside and then I started listening to all my old jokes and I was like I'll try that I'll bring it back let's try it yeah no I really like that that's timeless actually it's a very like easy neutral opener I feel like where it's like and everybody loves Winnie the Pooh so when you say like do you guys love Winnie the Pooh then you'll get a response and they'll be like yes and then you can say fuck Winnie the Pooh and that'll get a response (laughs) easy it's just so simple (laughs) That's funny. No, I love jokes like that. That's, I think they're, they're actually, I think the hardest to write for me, but I like jokes that aren't political in any way and aren't like trying to um, encourage people to be like more woke in any way. I like jokes that are like, this is just a human condition thing. Let's yeah, talk. This about is it. just funny. Like in any circumstance to anyone, it's just going to be funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like those too. What's your, what's your oldest joke that you use? Um, well, my oldest bit that I use is my female friendship bit. 
Um, oh, I've heard that. That's a good one. Yeah. And I talk about how female friendship is like the most valuable asset in the world today, but it's so hard as a woman to like get a female friend. And if you pursue it, you're never going to find it. It just comes to you. And like all the challenges and how like women can be bitches to each other, but women can be so nice to each other. Like, it's just kind of all about that. Um, but I do have jokes that are, I'm not a very good writer in terms of, I'm learning how to write jokes, but I'm not a good writer in terms of one-liners. That's, I'm more of a storyteller person. And most of my laughs come from context, like juxtaposition of this in comparison to this. So um, I have a couple jokes that are one-liners that like always work. And I'm, I use them over and over again, not because they're particularly topics that I'm proud of, but because it's like one of the few times I have hit a home run on a one-liner. <laughs> I can't get rid of this. Like, <laughs> You're like I, I have, have to keep it forever. Yeah, I feel you need those. You need those simple little ones when you're, if you're starting to lose steam or you're losing the crowd and then you're just like, well, I remember how to say this one sentence. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which one is your favorite? Tell me your favorite one of those. Um, I might not have good hair or style or pussy, but when the missile hits and money doesn't exist, I think my third nipple is going to be worth something. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. And I usually like open it up depending on whatever crazy shit is in the news today. I'm like, everyone thinks it's the apocalypse, but I'm ready for that shit because I'm a loser. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. But um, I like the storytelling aspect of stand-up. Like once you once you realize that like telling a joke, um, yeah, writing a one-liner is very hard. I'm not good at that. But like, once you realize that the content of the joke matters a lot, because if it's like really topical, you're going to use it for a month, maybe two. Whereas if it's something that is like very unique to you, but also, you know, kind of uh, speaking to human nature, you can use it forever. You know, so now I'm getting to the point where I'm like, all right, what do I want to write about? Like, what is something that like, really I can use for a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. I've started to think about like I, I've never thought about this before, but um, in terms of just like who like who am I actually talking to? Like who's my audience and what stuff do they care about? Because I always usually oh. write about stuff that I care about, but then when I run out of those things, what are you? Who are you talking to? I guess. Totally, totally. In what sense do you do that? Like, what is the pro? What What's the next question you ask yourself when you say, "Oh, what do they care about"? What's like the next question you ask? Man, I, I don't even, cause I, I'm still trying to figure out like who even cares about me? Like what, what is my audience? And I guess it's kind of like, you know, probably just quirky white women. Cause that's what I am. <laughs> so then it's like, what, what problem, like what problems do I like when people like, when people make dumb internet videos that are just like really baseline premises? Yeah. Okay. What, what things like that? catch my attention and I'm like yeah that's so my life because <laughs> it's yeah. like that's I just don't ever think about in terms of like listing off topics or anything like that I'm just like this happened to me today oh, okay interesting yeah but like, I don't know you do filter it through like would this fit the brand of quirky white woman I I try not to do that with my comedy, but whenever I'm trying to think like what kind of videos would people like or that kind of stuff, like then I think it matters. Like I think 
doing too many things like playing to the back of the room basically too many like niche things that are like just me it can be funny but you can also have to set it up where it's like I've definitely told jokes where I have presented it as information that is like really highly relatable like life stuff and then it's like crickets and it's like sometimes you are the only one (laughs) I think those are the honestly I think that those are the for me at least the best things to write towards mm-hmm. the things that are only me but I never I I try not never I try to come at it from the angle of like this I'm such a fucking freak but then end up on like a level where it's like but this is relatable because it's like we all on some level make this kind of a mistake but mm-hmm. the way I made the mistake is or the way I misunderstood things is like really unique to me i i do kind of try to write about the things that i think no one else has experienced before like that are like really specific i think that's i think that's a good method for stand-up to be honest because i feel like you're just your whole thing is your persona and there are only so many topics that everybody's just constantly talking about in stand-up so the only way you can make it so that like you're not accidentally stealing something or getting accused of that or someone can steal your joke. Like, it's just, this is very specific just to me. It only works when I say it. Yeah, totally. I think that's definitely a thing. Do you feel like, I feel like there are a couple different kinds of comedians and like, just in terms of performing, like I know what works for me and I know what is, I do well doing, but I, I so wish I was the other kind of comedian. Like I basically have to like kind of write out my joke and like practice it in my head and then I can do it and I can maybe riff on it a little bit. But like, God, I wish I was one of those people that could just stand on stage and talk for half an hour and make people laugh the whole time. Wait, uh, do you think people exist like that? Oh yeah, for sure. That They haven't written material, they just get up and talk? Well, I think people do write material, but there are some people that are just so like charismatic and talented that they don't have to, or that they like go on stage with an idea and kind of like write it on stage as they're talking it out. I'm like that, but I'm not good at it. I never, (laughs) I never sit down and like, well, I used to do this, but now I, I don't know. It's mostly because I'm being lazy, but I will like have three ideas or four or five ideas and I'll be like, all right, let me see if I can connect them. Or I'll have like four punchlines. And I'm like, how do I get to this punchline? Or, or not even a punchline. I'll have like three premises of things that I think are pertinent and that I want to talk about. And then I'll figure out like, what's funny about this. I would always go to, I don't know if you know Cesar Lazardo, but before quarantine, lockdown, whatever, he had a mic on the west side at Anchor Bar, always on Sundays at five. And he gave 10, 10 to 20 minutes. Usually it was 12 minutes. Wow. Yeah, but he would, like, if you were do, if you were on one, like, you were doing really well and people were laughing, mm-hmm. he'd give you 20 minutes. And the thing wow. that I loved about that, Mike, is when I didn't know how, what was funny about something, but I knew that it was interesting to me, mm-hmm. I would just go to that mic for, like, three weeks in a row and just talk about that topic, but just, like, talk about it a little bit differently each time and just see, record it and see, like, where people seem to be interested or making noises or whatever, not necessarily laughter, every now and then laughter. Then I would like, afterwards I would write. But yeah. I wouldn't write before. I would just like go and talk and then afterwards be like, okay, so maybe I could 
focus on that part. <laughs> See, that's what I'm jealous of because I'm getting to the point where I can do that a little bit, but I still have to have some structure where I have like a, a fully written joke to tell. Otherwise, I just start floundering. Like I just don't, I don't talk it out. I don't actually write on stage. I just like lose my yeah. train of thought and then get nervous. Let me ask you this. You talk to yourself? Mm, I do. I do too. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I've gotten caught one time. Uh, just like I was like, I thought I was doing it silently, but like obviously my mouth was moving and like maybe some sound was coming out. And I was just like driving somewhere um, with my boyfriend and he was like, um, what'd you say? What? <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> Just we're just working out a bit. Just talking to myself. Yeah. yeah. I like all the time. That's how I started just going to mics and talking out loud. Cause I all the time, not even when I was doing comedy, like before I was doing comedy, I don't know what the fuck this is or where it comes from. But if something happens to me, I like sometimes we'll just t start telling it as a story to fucking no one. Just to yeah. Oh yeah, that like I do that all the time. That like, especially when I was a kid, like you have that like fake like talk show thing going on, or like that fake. That's like, it it yeah. started out like that, then I started doing yeah. stand up. Now it's just a stand up routine. Whatever's happening. <laughs> yeah. Anytime somebody makes me mad, anytime something weird happens, anytime I have a comeback that I wish I had said, it's a stand up routine now that's just playing in my head. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so funny. I, uh, when I was, I don't remember. Oh yeah. When I had first moved to LA, I had not gotten into standup. I was living in Silver Lake and my roommate caught me like several times just telling a story to myself. And we're all, we're all a little weird. I'm very weird. And he particularly was on the spectrum and he was like, Hey Sarah. And he didn't like mean it in a negative way. Not at all. But he was like, Hey Sarah, I, I was just curious. Like, do you, have you been diagnosed with anything? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know, that's a really fair question. <laughs> like, well, uh, <laughs> the answer is no, because I'm poor. But if I wasn't, maybe. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's almost every comedian's answer. Just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually now, like looking back on that, I kind of wonder if that is a, I wonder if that's going to be like a litmus test for who has who has money and who is just like out here doing a serving job is like the people that are like they'll tell you a story that sounds like they have some sort of horrible depression or trauma <laughs> or they start the story by saying so I've been diagnosed with depression or a certain God. type of thing. <laughs> that is a bit in and of itself not a good one but a very quick one like you know who has money yeah, you know it's money based on what they've been diagnosed with. Yeah, seriously. Poverty is an interesting topic. I want people to make it funny. Maybe I'll, I might want, I might talk about it because I'm like not poor. Like I didn't come from a poor family, mm -hmm. but then when I realized I didn't want to be working in offices and I was just serving tables for 10 years, that shit, I did live in poverty for 10 years. That shit was hard. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'm in that same like weird place where it's like, I'm I'm fine I'm gonna be fine but I'm fine working a waitressing job which in itself means that I'm not poor but also like you have to live poor if you want to make that last so then you're suddenly like ah 
it's fine. And also, like, I don't know. I've, I've been trying to think about this where it's, like, kind of, I look like a Karen, but culturally, I'm a Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know I, I grew up eating like ketchup and bologna sandwiches and like doing poor people poor rural people shit and loving it there we go see that's very <laughs> interesting like what where, where are you from indiana what you're a hoosier uh-huh what the shit i went to indiana Univer- university for no way i did yeah. what wow. wait what years um 2008 to 2011. Oh, you're so young. Okay. Yeah. I went until 2007. Wait, actually, we are kind of close. I graduated in 2007. Mm-hmm. But like, I graduated right before you started. So, yeah. Yeah. We well, just, I love that you just miss each other. So I, I feel conflicted about it because okay. I really hated being in college. I really shouldn't have gone to college, but I did. And so it was very depressing, but it was also very fun. What'd you study? Um, it was this like bullshit degree called communication and culture, which is okay. basically film studies, but fancy. Huh. Yeah. And I, I, I think they like, it used to be, <laughs> I think some, somebody in the speech department had a fight with the people in the TV department. So they created two separate majors that were basically the same annoying yeah because I did a lot of like classes that were film production but then there were also like theory and theory surrounding like mass communication and that kind of stuff theory who cares about theory yeah I mean theories it was easy though it was so easy to get that degree it was me and a bunch of sorority girls from New Jersey who (laughs) planned on going back to New Jersey and becoming event planners after they married their like boyfriend whose dad owned a construction company like that's that was my cohort that's interesting i i admire people who know what they want out of life because like i think so for me and for a lot of creatives i know like we didn't there's some that like always knew I want to be a stand-up comedian, but I think there's a lot of people or a lot of us who are like, I want something different from what this is, but I don't know what it is and I'm searching for it. Whereas the people who are like, yep, I'm happy with the basic shit. Just give me the basic shit. I'll be cool. Like there's something to be said for being grateful for like what's in front of you and just like making do with that, you know? Oh yeah. And I say that just from the angle of like in LA, I think there's so many people who um just will never be happy because they always want more they always want something else they'll always want like this this and that um Mm -hmm. so it's like it's a delicate balance but who did everybody here move from their hometown for something better and then they got here and they're like this is like my hometown only way more expensive (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i like i had a good experience at indiana i had a bad good experience (laughs) i um like similar to you it was, it was pretty positive. Um, similar to you, I kind of went to college doing something that my mom had um, encouraged, but I don't, it wasn't as much like me knowing in advance I didn't want to do it. It was more like my idea of what success would look like was fundamentally constructed by my desire to please my mom and make her happy. 
and make mm -hmm. her proud. And also like the blinders of not knowing that there's other things out there. And um, like swimming was a big thing for me. And like, I really wanted to go to the Olympics. I, not Olympics, but I wanted to qualify for nationals. Oh, wow. And um, like my idea of being a success in life was leaving Utah and being the most successful ath female athlete that had come out of Utah. I don't know why. <laughs> that was like my idea of like being a good, like living like a wild, like fun life. And wow. that's so, so funny. That is like something that is like, it's outside of the normal like box of what, where you get to be something like an athlete where I feel like that's sort of in the same realm of like entertainment and creativity and that kind of stuff where you're not just like getting a nine to five job. A little bit. And it was, it, it actually kind of was funny because I got into Princeton and Berkeley and I was like, Berkeley, I was excited about because that's a division one swim school and they were Olympians on that team. But Princeton, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? There's no Olympians on this team. You want me to take a step down? I got into a D1 school. I got into Indiana. Oh, I'm not going to go God. to fucking Princeton. I was like, wow. you want to take me on a recruiting trip? Yeah, right. I'm not a D2 athlete. Like, I didn't even think about school. I was just like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> It's just such a it was just such a different focus I remember and like I was bummed because Berkeley was basically like you're not good enough to be like on our varsity team and with somebody like Berkeley because they had Natalie Coughlin they had like these insane like gold medalists on their team so with something like that I would either join the team and never swim like be on the bench the whole time or I would go to a place like Indiana that was like, yeah, you're not nationally one of the best right now. So you would be on the JV team, but you would have a chance to get on the varsity team if you improve. Right. And so I was like, fuck yeah. Like I'm going to go to Mark Spitz's school. I'm going to go to Indiana. Like Man. there's history there. That's crazy. Yeah. So I did that. And then like when I got there, it was like way different from what I thought it was going to be. I was very cocky because like my mom had helped me, which I'm so glad that she did this. She helped me to see that like, I have something inside of me that like, well, not everyone does, you know, like I'm really disciplined, I'm really hardworking, but I thought I like had a better, I thought that that would go further than it did my freshman year. I was like destroyed my freshman year. Like my times got slower. I went from working out three hours a day to working out five hours a day. I lost so much weight that I, and it wasn't like anorexia. It was just like my body like couldn't stabilize when I was working out five hours a day. Mm -hmm. I lost so much weight that I lost my period. Cause if you get wow. below 12% body fat, you like don't ovulate. And then I like got slower and the girls on the team, it was like a sports sorority. The girls on the team didn't really, I won't say that they were like mean, they didn't bully me, but they definitely, our coach was like abusive. Our coach was like um, an alcoholic and also mentally ill on top of it. And she was like the Bobby Knight, but of swimming and Bobby Knight would like throw shit and like, wow. have you heard of Bobby Knight? Mm -hmm. okay, yeah. You know, yeah, okay. So she was like the Bobby Knight of swimming. Um, and she would definitely mercilessly scream at me or make fun of me or belittle me and be like, come on, Bolton. And like the other girls on the team would like piggyback on that my freshman year. And I was, I, the only way I got through is I had like a best friend, um, Kristen, and she and I would just laugh. We would just like laugh. We would make fun of all the seniors. We would make fun of all the bitches that like were mean to us. We'd make fun of the coach. We would laugh and laugh and laugh. 
And um, that's like kind of how I got through my freshman year. But I just like was, so, it wasn't even hard because of the physical exhaustion, but I, it was hard because like never in my life had I been like the outcast or the kid that people bullied. And I like had come in thinking I was going to be a star. Oh. And then I was like so much the worst person on the team. <laughs> so, like My sophomore year, I, it wasn't even for, about my mom at this point. It was just like a pride and the ego thing. Like in the summers, like in D1 sports, you usually take the summer off and just like relax because like training is so intense during the year. But I was like, fuck that, like rocky moment. Like I am going to come back in better shape than anyone else. I have to like be the best one on the team this year. I have to like win the respect of my peers. I don't know. I was such a psychopath. <laughs> the summer in between school, I was like biking 20 miles a day, going to work at Jamba Juice, wow. then going on a run in Sugar House Park back in Utah, and then swimming probably three to five miles. And That's I was insane. like, insane. I was like on this fucking mission. I was like, I'm going to get this. And then that year, I actually did like I trained really hard and in practices I started beating the girls on the team that were on the varsity team and even if you beat them in practice they didn't like fully respect me they were just like okay bitch I see you you know and but it was like but can you perform because there's I'm sure you know like in comedy there's, there's those people that maybe they're like funny at open mics but when it comes to a big performance they choke and they can't like deliver they can't like have the charisma necessary to give a great fucking performance. And so like in sports, it's the same thing. There's plenty of people who can practice hard, but like kind of aren't a star, like can't like pull it out. And so end of year, like swimming is like one of those sports where you taper. And a taper means that for nine months, you train for one race. You train for nine months for one fucking race. And that's your one chance to be great because while you're training for nine months, you're working so hard, your body's never gonna be like at its peak performance. But when you taper, you don't train as hard, but you retain like all of the endurance and then you have that moment to be fantastic. Wow. So, the whole year I trained really hard. We get to the end of the year, we get to the like the big meet where I'm like tapering and I'm gonna like do the best I can do, you know, and I'm so pumped. I'm so ready to prove myself to these bitches. And um, I mean, they're not bitches, these girls. And um, that week, everyone on my team gets the flu and everyone's shitting their brains out and everyone is performing or looking really bad in the water and vomiting and everything. The night before my race, I was swimming the 200 butterfly. This was big 10 championships. The night before my race, I can feel in my body, like the sickness trying to take. <gasps> and I'm like, this is, I worked too fucking hard for this. And I like went outside, I brought my tunes and it was still the time of the disc man um and I like went outside and I'm not fucking kidding you it was a full moon and I don't know what was inside of me but I was just so angry that this sickness was trying to ruin everything I had worked for for and plotted for a year my vengeance or like my you know my my prove yourself moment and I just looked up at the moon and like it was the weirdest shit it was like I knew I was in control. I knew I was going to do it. I knew everything was going to be fine. I told the moon, which is a weird thing. I know, but I was like, you cannot take this. You cannot take this from me. You can have my body in 24 hours, but I am going to, you're going to hold off for a, for a day, a fucking day. I worked too hard for this. And then I shit you not. I had my race. I broke the school record. I qualified for Olympic trials and nationals. I qualified for NC two A's. And then literally 
two hours after my race, I got real fucking sick and I started shitting my brain down. Oh my God. And so that was my Indiana experience. And then like, I, I basically quit after that. Cause I was like, I proved myself to these women. I like did what I was meant to do. I was able to step out on my own and like, you know, like kind of prove myself without my mom around. But ultimately this was her dream. Like it really wasn't mine. I need mm-hmm. to move on with my life. And I just kind of quit cold turkey, which is kind of crazy to like have this dream of being a star and then like getting everything wow. and being like, okay, I'm done. I learned what wow. I need to do. Sorry, I just talked for way too long, but that was my Indiana. No, I loved that. That was great. So it's like, I, I didn't really party. I didn't really go to Kirkwood or whatever the bars were, but I was like oh, on yeah. a fucking mission, you know, like I didn't have the normal college experience, but I loved how green Indiana was and like, yeah yeah I'm I'm definitely miss the feeling of like when fall hits and everything like changes color and it's just like oh like cool breezes new beginnings totally totally I wow yeah that's amazing it was a cool for me like I look back fondly on IU even though like some of those girls were very mean to me like it was a very good experience to learn like um a like external validation can be cheap and and b like if i really do need to prove myself like i can wow man that moon shit is magic it's kind of weird it's very weird but i don't know like sometimes when you're on a mission or sometimes when you like um like really need something to happen or need something to work i think there's a spiritual element that comes through that like none of us can deny I think there's something where like we're connected to something. I don't know, like I can't explain it, but I I do, or I can, but I don't want to get into like too ooey wooey like spiritual shit. But I do think that like the earth is basically alive and like everything is interconnected. And, you know, sometimes I feel that, like sometimes I definitely feel connected to nature and I don't know. Wow. That's a, that's wonderful. It's a thing. Yeah. It's, it's a whole thing, but, um, College was wild. College, we were all figuring out what the fuck is up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Man, I feel like I had like the opposite experience too in college where like I just had nothing to work for. I just, <laughs> I just, I literally was like, this will be easy and I'm kind of interested in it. By the end of college, I literally was treating it as a finishing school. Like I just, I had completed all of the necessary credits three years in and I had, what? I had to take another semester just to have the requisite like number of credits to graduate. So I was taking like esoteric Buddhism and soccer and like just dumb shit. Wow. Yeah. I I finished real quick. I got out of there as fast as possible because I knew I just wanted to be done with it. But I, uh, I basically just treated it as like finishing school. Like by the end of it, I was like, well, this will make me more interesting to talk to. So I'll take that. Wow. Well, that's, (laughs) that's, that's, see, I think it's funny that you gloss over aspects of your personality that make you very determined. I think that actually being able to finish in three years in a semester is kind of insane. Like that's (laughs) a lot, that takes a lot of focus. That takes a lot of like, okay, I know what my end goal is. Let me get there. And the fact that it wasn't even something that you were passionate about shows just like really how disciplined you are. Cause most people quit things they're not into. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, that makes me feel good. I, I've never thought about it in that way, ever. Yeah. I, re- I really just thought about it in terms of like, well, I got through it as fast as possible, so. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's admirable because not that when people drop out, it's not admirable. Like, you don't want to waste money. I get it. Mm. But like the fact that you finish what you start, even when you are not enjoying it, that's definitely like, not everyone has that capacity. Yeah, that's true. What did you, what did you graduate with? Or did you drop out of school as well? No, I, I graduated. I studied philosophy and political science and I'm pretty sure I got a minor in religion not intentionally it was just like like a lot of this happens like that yeah like a lot of the philosophy and religion classes counted towards both Mm -hmm. so I was like why not yeah yeah that was the thing about it is there were a lot of classes you could take that counted towards both of something and but then at the end of it, they were like, yeah, but we have like a minimum of money that we want you to pay us. So literally. we have to get yeah. this many credits, even though it's literally for nothing. That's the aspect of university that, or one aspect of university that um, I think is a, sets you up incorrectly for the way that the world works. Mm-hmm. Because you can't pay for success in some ways you can like you can buy followers on twitter and you can there's some ways that you can um and if you have a minimum level of financial stability your whole personality changes and you're much funnier and you're much like more okay in general but just just on a big level like some of the people that i know that try to buy their way to the top um at least at least in my like sales job they're not the best salespeople because to be good at sales, you've got to like study, you've got to know the product, you've got to like analyze your calls, you've got to really be motivated. And if you're just paying, you can't just pay for motivation. You have to have that. That has to be intrinsic. Yeah. Do you feel like it's that way with comedy or no? Do you think that people can pay their way in? No, I definitely feel like it's that way with comedy. There's a certain level of like, um, I don't know. I feel like there is like a certain level where people put too much emphasis on the ideal of it being merit-based, but Mm -hmm. at a, at a certain point, like funny is funny. And if you're not at least like a baseline of funny, you're not going to go any further. You know, there are other things that make you successful. Like if you're, you're good to work with or you're reliable or you're a good hang. And I think that some people who aren't like genius level funny get, more successful because there are all those things as well, which is great. Cause I feel like that's, I feel like I might be in that boat where it's just like, I'm ba- I, I got the baseline covered and I'll text you back. Like that's what I have to offer. And I feel like beyond that though, like you can't just be like, Hey, <laughs> I suck at everything and I'm not even trying, but my dad will fund your stupid short video. Let's go. Yeah. Like you can yeah. do it. And you can have those things be made, but no one's going to like it. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely the case. Well, I think that I do have the potential to be funny. And by the way, you are very funny. And I think you have what it takes. It's just like you're two years in. It's true. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I'm patient at this point. I've got a lot of time. Yeah. It's, I mean, becoming a fantastic storyteller is, or like being a captivated, captivating, um, public speaker that shit takes time and especially I think on some level it takes an aspect of wisdom 
-hmm. or like, and levity on some level is, it's not necessarily wisdom, but it's related. And so, you know, it just takes living life and doing it for a long time. But, um, I do think that, uh, I do think that all of us on some level have to be good at the uh, business side, like texting people back, like putting in an effort because when you're under five years or when you're under six years, you really don't know what the fuck you're doing. And you're lucky when someone puts you on stage. Also, you deserve to have stage time because if you're working hard, like that's how you get better. You get on stage, you practice. But um, I think that that is absolutely like a necessary component of being respectful and nice to other people um, and being good at the business side. You don't have to be the best, but you have to be like good enough that people are like, yeah, I like working with you. I feel like some people downplay that. Like they kind of feel like they can be like a huge jerk, but they're so funny that it doesn't matter. They'll still get opportunities. And there definitely are people like that sometimes. But for the most part, the people that think that are people that have like really unfunny jokes about their dicks and nothing else. I know some girls. I know some girls that do it too. And I think that you're right that a lot of their their jokes are very much like one or two topics, super formulaic. And maybe you do get laughs off of that, but that shit gets old. Whatever your topic is, it gets old. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Gotta keep it fresh. Yeah. But how long have you been doing comedy? I need to figure that out. I think I've been doing it three and a half years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I need to figure that out. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's two and a half or three and a half. I think it's three and a half years. Wow. Was it always in LA? Yeah, I started in LA. I started in like June or July um, of either two or three years ago. I think it was three years ago. Nice. It's always so like nebulous also to like tell people like I I did a little bit of stand-up for like maybe half a year, a year, like when I first moved to Seattle when I was like 23 and then I did sketch comedy instead and then I switched back to stand-up so then when people are like how long have you been doing it I'm like I don't really quite know how to answer that but like usually I'll just answer it like how long I've been doing it consistently and it kind of depends on the person like if it's a dude who's being shitty to me I will overestimate (laughs) Oh, so that, you're doing so it that he stops years. giving me like advice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, forever, man. Uh comedy is how I deflect serious conversations. True. <laughs> I uh I always tell people not very long because whatever. Yeah, that's I feel like that's that's the most accurate. Like mm, like I feel like it's like when people ask you that, unless it's like to get a sense of like how long you've been working towards something and it's like a actual question, usually they're asking to be like, how condescending can I be to this person? Oh, really? In my experience, particularly men, they're asking, how condescending can I be to this person? I think you're probably right. I just haven't paid attention to it. Usually I try to make them think that I'm newer than I am. So that so they think you're really good. So that when I'm funnier than they are, they're like, or when I'm pr- pretty funny, they're like, oh, because I love the, I love surprising people when they underestimate me. Mm-hmm. And so I invite them to underestimate me. I invite them to think that I'm stupid. And then I'm like, oh yeah, did you see, I don't say it, but like after my set, I'll be like, hey man, good luck. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a good method too. Actually, I like doing that. I usually do like, I, I downplay like any experience that I have on people that I want to think that I'm better than I am. And I feel like when they think that you're new, but you're like pretty good, then they think like, oh, you're really good for where you're at. Anyway, do you have anything that you want to plug right now? Um, not really. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being on there. It was so good to catch up with you. Okay, that's it. That was the interview. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcasting service you use so you don't miss the next episode. I update every Wednesday. Follow me on social media at Downhill Pod. Or if you want to email me, maybe you have comments, maybe you want to be on the podcast, send an email to alldownhillpodcast at gmail.com. This will all be in the show notes. Make sure to follow Sarah at the Sarah Bugden on Instagram. Bye-bye.